and welcome. This is Social Studies, Voices from Across America. I'm Bill Wood. And I'm Peter Goldsmith. First of all, we want to recognize Memorial Day to honor the men and women who served our nation with bravery, honor, and skill. One of those veterans is John Mashey from Western North Carolina and our unique guest today. John is an Air Force veteran who was preparing for deployment when his father died in a motorcycle crash. The depression followed him for seven years till he was discharged. But John found a unique thing that allowed him to reconnect with himself and others. He found gardening, and that's grown into a magnificent program for veterans. Peter, John is a neighbor of yours there in Hendersonville. What can you tell us? I had the uh, good fortune of visiting with John just this morning, uh, and we spoke about many, many things. We spoke about John personally and how he was drawn to the organization which he now runs, which is called the Veterans Healing Farm. It is a 10 and a half acre farm right here uh, in Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, where John uh, grows vegetables and medicinal herbs and flowers, uh, which he gives to uh, anyone who needs them, basically, although he would not like me to say need them. Uh, This guy is a remarkable guy. He is totally dedicated, totally committed. And uh, like a lot of the other parts of the country, we have had a deluge over the last four or five days of rain. And John's farm is underwater as we speak. Even with that, he was gracious enough to speak with me. And uh, we spent a good half hour together discussing his feelings on many issues. So, John, uh, I know that you served in the Air Force. So tell me a bit about your service, uh, where and when, and and what you experienced in the service. I joined the Air Force right after high school. I had just turned 18, um, class of 2000s when I graduated. And I basically, um, I I think my motivating factor, I mean, this was right before 9-11, so obviously it was a different time back then in terms of going into the service after high school. It wasn't quite as patriotic or there weren't, wasn't a lot of people um, super excited to do that. But for me, you know, growing up, I feel like at that time I was very childish as most people are when they're growing up and just graduate high school and so it was it was more motivating to try to get out of town and in an opportunity to um, you know experience something different and when I went through basic I went through tech school I got to my first duty assignment in July of 2001 and so that was not too not too um, you know not too far before the September 11th happened and when the towers came down and we were going to war, it was a really intense experience. It was a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. And shortly after that, um, I got a knock on the door. It was September 30th. It was a Sunday, and I was I was cleaning up, getting ready for work in the morning. And um, one, one chaplain and a first sergeant, and they said to me, your mother told us not to tell you this, but you're a man, you're in the military. Uh, your father's dead. You need to go home his funeral and he had died in a motorcycle accident and um, I didn't really have a community I didn't really have any sort of um, support system in in the military at that time that's basically uh, what happened with that tell me what you did in the service so I was an Air Force um, or aerospace ground equipment 
mechanic. That was my primary duty, and then as much as I could, I did my, a secondary duty, which was honor guard. And so these are uh, funerals, uh, special duty assignments. I was actually at the World Series and some other cool things. But um, yeah, that was those those were my two primary responsibilities. And and how long did you serve in the military? So I was in from 2000 to 04 active, and then 04 to 08 inactive reserve status. And what was it like serving there? Was it a pleasant experience? Was it a good experience? What was it, John? It was. I mean, you know, obviously after my dad died and going to war and all of that initial buildup was really hard. That's when I began experiencing different uh, mental difficulties in terms of depression and things of that nature, a lot of anxiety. Um, but because the military culture, I just kept it to myself and sucked it up and pressed on until... Eventually, it was really starting to affect me. Um, I had an opportunity, fortunately, to go to Mexico and serve a, a, a very impoverished community down there, and it was extremely therapeutic. It was what I attribute to uh, saving my life. The, the Lord really used it to allow me to recognize how valuable it is to help others. It, it essentially takes your eyes off your own personal pain. And uh, so in the course of two and a half years, as many times as I could, I would go down to the same village and serve that community. And a lot of what I'm doing now with the Veterans Healing Farm is rooted in those experiences. What did you do with that community? Well, the first time I was down there, the very first trip, um, I actually put in, I call it a garden. It wasn't really a garden. I got a couple plants and I planted them. And by the time I had gotten back on my next trip, they were all dead. But the act of giving this, um, Josefina was her name, she was the, the mother of the family that we were helping. And we went down to this village. We did a lot of uh, community projects, so we did, um, we rebuilt a couple houses. Now these are pallet houses that are made out of, you know, just basically thrown away building materials. The kids sleep on, on dirt floors. They have no shoes, no running water. Um, it was a very, very shocking experience. I grew up in Hendersonville, North Carolina. I thought I had it bad because I didn't get a new car after graduation. And, you know, I'd never been exposed to real poverty. And, and being down there and, and just serving um, and giving back was um, it was very life-giving. It, it allowed me to see something and experience something that I, I hadn't experienced up until that time. Okay, so let's jump ahead now. You take that uh, experience and you start... Uh, the Veterans Healing Farm where we're sitting right now. So tell me, what were your thoughts and what did you envision when you started Veterans Healing Farm? I mean, for me, the primary motivating factor was to try to create community. I think that's what motivates every aspect of this program. I mean, the produce is important, but it's a, it's more of a means to an end than anything else. Um, you know, I always I, I see the, the the produce as just being the the vehicle in which the community can be formed, and the idea of creating a place that if somebody says, "How are you doing?" they actually want to know the answer, and it's a safe place that you can be authentic and you can be transparent and you can be vulnerable, and that to me is something in which I feel is becoming increasingly more difficult to find in our society and. From a mental health standpoint and just like a human health just more wellness um i don't know of anything more important than having having physical touch from another human and that to me i think is um 
there's almost a war being waged on on the human to human interaction and it's because it's not an option like you have to have human to human contact is the reason why um what was her name uh temple grandin the professor in whom there was a movie made on her and and she was autistic and you know she created this thing called a squeeze box that that held her and provided her that comfort that she hadn't had the ability to have and it affects us as humans and i think as adults you know in our society it's so we're so naive to think that you know the facebook likes and the reality tv shows and all of these things that insulate us and protect us from from real vulnerability real transparency real human human contact that that's actually good for us you know it's 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 not good for us it's poison and in moderation it, your body can withstand some of it but if if we do what we're currently doing which is essentially you know um isolate ourselves and and and, and restrict ourselves from having that interaction it it's 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 killing our society i mean it's driving us into this this fishbowl and this us versus them mindset you know this very polarized mindset let me go back a little bit john you mentioned produce tell tell me what it is that you guys do here at the veterans healing farm so we grow uh, about 140 different varieties of fruits vegetables and cut flowers and everything we grow the community that helps grow it is uh, allowed to harvest and take food home with them but pretty much everything that's grown that's not taken home from our volunteers which is the bulk majority of the food we take that food and we donate it also the the cut flowers are put into bouquets and we donate all the produce in, in bouquets free of charge at the main entrance of the Charles George VA Hospital. And so last summer we did 8,500 pounds of produce and 750 bouquets of flowers. Which goes to veterans who need it. Well, it depends on your definition of need. I, I, I always emphasize that we don't give out handouts to veterans in need. We're not there for that. We are at the hospital to demonstrate love, honor, and respect to veterans who have served our country and when they walk away and receive our produce our our hearts longing our deepest desire is for them to walk away with a sense of dignity and pride in in a sense of feeling honored rather than shame that comes from being in need from you know basically failing at life like people's need i think this is the hardest thing for veterans is like we attribute our need as to failure whereas as humans we ebb and we flow. We give and we receive. We love and we receive love. You know, I think I think the mindset in our society that says, well, if you're in need, you've failed. It really robs us from that opportunity to really receive love and to feel worthy of that love. You know, it's it's much easier to to give sometimes than it is to receive. How do you feel about Memorial Day, John? You know, I think as I continue to do what I'm doing and to be exposed to so many uh, families in which have either lost loved ones from veteran suicide or were killed in action. Um, and also, you know, my father, he was Air Force veteran. He passed away, as I shared. And I think the thing about death is it really is probably the most incredible motivator that we have to tap into as humans. I mean... It's so easy in our society to 
to choose not to acknowledge death, to, to hide from it. I mean, if you think about it, we don't even call it they died. We say they passed away. We insulate it. We, we cover it. We, we have all these traditions that, are, that, are, that soften the harsh reality of death. And I mean, I think days like Memorial Day are incredibly important because they have the ability, they don't often accomplish this because like we do in our society, we, we turn everything into a party and a positive, you know, we, we don't want to have to um, really sometimes, I think it's easy just to kind of like change something in order to make it more comfortable. But at the end of the day, with Memorial Day, like it's an opportunity to really come to terms with the frailty of life, the idea that as humans, like we are very vulnerable in in the the opportunity to honor those in whom have gone before us and have laid their lives down in order for us to to as as an American, you know, to to have the the freedoms that we have. Like those things weren't free, and and I. I don't know. I I find it more and more difficult to like to have to think about these. The uh, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time communicating right now. I, it's just very personal. It's one of those days in which, for me, like I'm bombarded with very graphic mental imagery of individuals in whom you know instead of just well these random soldiers laid their lives down in Korea or these random people died in Vietnam or these random people died in the desert in Iraq like no these aren't random people these, these are individuals in whom I know their brothers their sisters their parents and I see it in their face I see it in their eyes they are just as real today as they ever have been and yet they're not here their name is is Matthew name is Joshua you know these are real people that I know and yet I've never met them and yet I care about them I love them and I hate the fact that they're no longer here you know two things I want to bring up for you and, and I think one of them just uh, carries right from what you're saying tell me about the idea of friendship in the service kind of bonds you build in the service and when you get out what happens and perhaps that's a cause of a lot of distress for vets yeah I mean it's a super unique experience the, the whole idea of going through basic training and tech school these environments I mean certainly college to some degree people that have gone through college or even high school like there is like that connection that you kind of experience maybe your dorm room buddies or something like that but in the military because it's such a stressful environment stress sometimes is a really interesting experience it can produce you know it can amplify things and the military is very stressful especially during those seasons and each time you find yourself in this situation in which you're basically under threat it You've been conditioned by the military to, instead of basically like stay strong and pull pull away and do your own thing, there's no Rambo in the Air Force. There's no Rambo in the Army. There's no Rambo in the Marines. Like Rambo doesn't exist. Rambo is a figment of somebody's imagination. In the military, if you're a solo ranger, you will die. And this is why we're taught if if somebody is shooting at you, or they're shooting at your 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 um, comrade. 
the person to your right or the person to the left, your job is to step in front of that bullet. And you know that they know that their job is to step in front of that bullet. And so that notion of like, what do we do? Like, there's a unity. There's 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 a brotherhood and a sisterhood and a, just an, a sense of like, the, these are more than just another person. Uh, you know, just some um, just some random person. No, this is an individual in whom you've entrusted your life to, and they've done the same. And so, when you when you go through those kind of experiences where you have this very deep connection with somebody even though you may disagree politically you may disagree and on all these different things there's this there's this thing that ties you together which is the mission you're accomplishing a mission and you'll do everything needed to accomplish that mission and then you get out and there's no longer a mission and there's no longer that sense of connection in 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 real you know depth of connection in terms of like this person regardless of their political stance, regardless of their religious beliefs, regardless of any of these things, this person will lay down their life for you. But you don't experience that in the civilian world. That doesn't exist. And you miss it. I mean, I know I miss it. I feel like being around other veterans, it's like there's that sense of like, if this happened right now, we would be safe. You know, that person's got my back. And it's just different. It doesn't, you don't have that in a normal environment, in a normal civilian environment. What can be done for vets that we as society are not doing right now? To be completely honest, I don't think thank yous are very helpful. (laughs) You know, like, thank you for your service. Like, you're a hero. Well, no veteran wants to hear that. No, No veteran wants to be thanked for their service. You know, I and I don't think a veteran is looking for anything. We're not looking for handouts, but we deserve dignity. You know, I I genuinely believe that. I mean, I believe all humans deserve dignity, but you have to start somewhere, and especially the men and women in whom have incurred challenges based on the fact that they have stepped up and voluntarily signed up to protect our nation, you know? I mean, whatever the political thoughts are, are irrelevant. The fact is this individual stood up and took an oath and signed what often is referred to as a blank check, made payable, you know, payable up into and including their death. And many of folks, that, that check was cashed in. And I mean, that's no light matter, that's a very, it's a very serious thing and I think our society, our country, you know, we need to put the politics to the side and recognize that military veterans, it's got nothing to do with liberal or democrat or whether we should be in war or not war. These are individuals in whom have served our country and we owe them, I believe it's our duty, Chris Kyle had said it's our duty uh, to honor military veterans. Like, as, as Americans, like, that we should know that. We should recognize the importance of that. And we shouldn't have this mentality that like, well, World War II was a just war and it was the greatest generation. And the Vietnam vets, well, we shouldn't have been in Vietnam in the, in the Iraqi vets. Like, what are we talking about? This is lunacy. This is lunacy. Anytime an American dies to protect another American, that should be honored. You know, we live in a world in which requires 
a military to, to protect us. And without it, we would not have the freedoms that we have. And those individuals deserve to be honored. And we, as Americans, are very immature and foolish if we, if we are naive enough to think that, that that's not true, that we actually don't need the military. So how can people who are listening to us and, and reading about what we're doing on our website get involved with you both locally and nationally? You know, right now we just had a catastrophic event. We um, worked really, really hard to put in a gigantic American flag garden. We had it all planted over a thousand pepper plants. We've had you know, hundreds of garlic and thousands of peas and all sorts of crops in early this season. Super excited. Everything was looking great. We're planning a boot camp where we have veterans coming out from around the country. That was scheduled for today, actually, was the kickoff of it. And the rains came. They came on Tuesday and they washed everything away. 100% um, crop loss in our larger American flag garden and most of the other gardens were contaminated with flood water. And so right now, I mean, it's very difficult for me to have to like consider how to recover from this kind of situation. Um, but it's, it's, it's necessary. I refuse to give up, but I can't do it without support. I can't do it without receiving and again for me it's easier to give than it is to receive to ask the community locally nationally folks that care folks that want to be a part of this tribe and want to actually see something like what we're doing exist we need financial support like i need physical help i need so many more resources than what i currently have available well would it be safe to say that everyone should be going up on your website yeah, our website is a good resource. Our, um, our veteranshealingfarm.org is your website. Yes, sir. And, and for those of you who live locally uh, around western North Carolina, can come down and even an old guy like me can lift a shovel or two. That's right. Saturday mornings we have our um, volunteer day. It's an opportunity for folks to come out and participate. It's from 9 to 12. On days that it's thundering or raining, we cancel, which it looks like tomorrow will be thundering and raining. Um, but another good resource is our Facebook. We, we post pretty regularly on Facebook, and we actually just put up a video that has some drone footage from the flooding, and which kind of gives people an idea how severe it actually was. So, John, I want to end this just by saying, and I know you a little bit because you and I have spoken a few times, uh, that you and your wife basically run this entire operation yourselves with the help of local volunteers, people who live around Hendersonville, North Carolina. And uh, it's an undertaking of massive size for all the right and good reasons. And when you talk about dignity and you talk about giving, you're a perfect example of dignity in someone who gives. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Peter, that was fantastic. John seems like an incredible man. Like many uh, veterans, uh, he has uh, done something that will change the way veterans think about themselves and others. You know, what I like about John's interview so much is he keeps bringing up the idea of love and respect. And as you heard him say many times, 
um, what he learned in the service was a great brotherhood. And a lot of the problems that our vets are having now is, as he said, uh, you have a mission to accomplish in the service where you don't out here. So that feeling of brotherhood and community is oftentimes not there. And really, uh, that's what he's trying to, to do to accomplish it. As he said in the interview, um, he, he is using uh, growing uh, produce and things metaphorically. Well, he's really growing them, but what he's really interested in is community. Bringing an open community where people can be relaxed and open and discuss their feelings and, and what, they, what they're going through and what they experienced. Um, and as you heard him say, this is airing a, on uh, Memorial Day, what you heard is uh, him pausing several times talking about Memorial Day, and uh, he was really choked up about that. It's a really powerful day for him, and as he said in his interview, he, you know, these aren't random soldiers who are dying. These are people that he knows, brothers and sisters, as we all do, unfortunately. Uh, so it was really remarkable to sit with him uh, at the farm uh, in in. Uh, right here in town on memorial day we tend to think of those who have left us who gave the ultimate sacrifice in uh combat but uh, john mashey is a veteran who survived he survived his own depression and he's doing something to help others that bravery to step outside of himself to help others is uh, part of the bravery that we don't respect enough from veterans what can people who have heard this interview and have listened to john what can people do to maybe help john uh, with what he's doing i mentioned it to you before we started uh, the front page of our local paper today is a full picture of john mashy at his farm and, and the headline is flash flooding and it talks about how he was wiped out of course there are Many, many people who are going by to the farm helping out. As I was leaving um, to come here and do this, several people pulled up in their cars just looking to help John any way they could. But at this junction, uh, he really needs to buy supplies and seeds and all kinds of things. And uh, the best thing that people can do, and, and a wonderful thing to do, is to go on his website, which is Veterans Healing Farm, one word, Veterans Healing Farm. Org. It's a beautiful site, very informative, and mm -hmm. it shows, I think, the beauty, and uh, we've talked about this before, the beauty of what he's doing is uh, we think of veterans as gray beards, but these are gray beards and no beards and young beards and a little bit of everything, male and female. Uh, he's really reaching out to uh, all manner of demography, and I think that's part of the beauty of what the veterans' healing is all about. I didn't ask John his age, but I'm going to guess John is in his very early 30s, something like that. He's got the energy of seven people. I mean, he doesn't stop. He doesn't sit down. He was he was having his breakfast while we were talking. He was talking on the phone with somebody. Uh, somebody pulled up, and he. It's a wonderful organization. They, they, they stay below the radar because of the kind of person that John is. He's not in it for self-aggrandizement. He's not in it to, you know, be a big shot. He's just a really good guy who really feels committed in his heart and his mind to accomplishing these things. And he's done a fantastic job. And he will continue to do a fantastic job. Um, and I know the help will pour in. 
and I know locally it already has started to pour in and hopefully, uh, you know, as we remember on this Memorial Day, those people who uh, laid their lives down so that we could have the freedoms that we have and do these things like podcasts and so forth will uh, realize how important these things are and how helpful they can be and maybe have the goodness of their heart uh, contribute to, to John's cause. Peter, thank you, uh, one, for finding John and two, for going there and spending some time with him and introducing us to John Mashey and the Veterans Healing Farm, veteranshealingfarm.org. If you could do anything on this Memorial Day, and it doesn't require thousands or hundreds, just a contribution, whatever you can do to help him. Americans need to understand that a thousand people giving a dollar is more than trying to look for that one person who will give a thousand. Peter, thank you again. And uh, we wish John good luck, and we'll do whatever we can to help him. That's our podcast for this Memorial Day, a veteran that we think is helping other veterans, and you can't ask any more than that. So just like uh, John suggested, respect each other, take care of each other. Peace.